0: Patriots, and it's Wednesday, March 29th at the end of the day. Man, we're already heading into Thursday. It's crazy. Can't believe it. This week has just flown by insane, literally insane. Before we get going tonight, a uh, couple things. Getting time to that garden space, getting your gardens ready, I hope. Getting things ready to dig. Tread light broad forks. You know I use them. I love them. It's a family-owned business. They are an incredible product. They are a broad fork to dig your beds, so you don't have to rototill them. And it is, I'm telling you, it's just, it does the best thing ever for your soil. All my beds were dug with these in some of the hardest soil you could ever imagine. I swear it was like concrete. And I've maintained them with these. And it does such a great job of turning And keep in getting your tilt loose down below without having to rototill or dig deep. And it keeps everything, it helps build that biomass and that biome in the soil. There's all sorts of different sizes, great quality product. I have a lot of them. In fact, I have one at the house and I have about five up at the other property. And we're going to actually at some point be teaching a class on them. So tread light broad forks and that's treadlightbroadforks.com. The link is underneath. Use your BARTs code, and that's a great one. And you'll be very happy you did. Very, very good investment in everything that you have. And it's it's a non-mechanical technology, so stuff we need to be thinking about. And so on with that, then, for those other parts of our lives that are dependent on electronics in this stupid time that we live in, which everybody wants to kill each other, including the transgender people that want to create a vengeance week next week. But we really are dealing with an unstable time as we transition away from the dollar dominance, and there's a lot of tension. And so there's always the potential for a variety of crazy things to go on, such as an EMP. But EMP can also happen from a solar flare, and it can also happen by lightning shocks, so there's if you go to empshield.com empshield.com you'll save $50 on their product and if you use your bard's code BARDS empshield.com they are a fantastic product I have it I have it installed on my ATV and my Jeep and my dad has one on his Explorer And we've got one on the house, and we're putting one on the other place. They're really good. They have them for generators. They have them for radios, the whole thing. So again, empshield.com. Use your Bart's code. And all these links are right below the podcast. Okay. I want to start with a really good piece here. Short, but to the point. So take a listen.
1: God is ordering your steps and what you are putting your hands to work on right now. In the word it says to commit your work to the Lord and he will establish your plans. Continue to commit what you are doing to honor him first and he will establish your plans and he's got great things in store for you. Stay hopeful today. It fuels your faith and remember that God never leaves you or forsakes you. God bless you. You and Follow for more Christian videos.
0: So I really love that. Perspective and what he's saying there, which is to commit everything that we do to the Lord, and even if it seems menial, or it even this seems like we're not what we're not doing what we want to do, commit it to Him. Jeremiah 29 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Look, I'm just going to put this up front tonight. Oh, man, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit really heavy tonight, and when that happens. I usually get pretty choked up. I can just tell you this has been an amazing day and there's a lot of, I have at least so much compassion right now for those that are struggling to get back on their feet. Deep compassion. And there's so many that have been just leveled by this COVID con nonsense over the last couple of years. And it's something that, Literally, we need to continue to work together as a collective whole to raise up as many as we can. And that's going to be one person at a time. And as we do one person at a time, it leads to more and more people in God's army, right? So in kind of looking at that, um, if we're committing everything to the Lord, which we should be doing, we don't always understand why we're at a certain station. So I'm going to just tell my own story here tonight. You've heard it before a bit, but I want to get into some pieces of it. When the Lord broke me in August of 2017, and there's no other way to describe it, um, you know, I talk often about having, uh, trying to put a foot in one world or the other. And I had been originally saved when I was about 10 years old. And then I did my walk and I drifted a pretty long ways away. But the beauty of the way the Lord works is nothing is ever wasted. And that walk that I went on, which included a lot of trials and a lot of bumping my face into the wall and a lot of tripping and a lot of learning, really was a place where he was just preparing me for a time. And that time, that transition began actually in 2016, when we stood up a super PAC for President Trump. It wasn't affiliated with the Trump campaign, but it was a PAC. It was called Kilroy Rising, and you can still find the article about it on Brighton or Breitbart. I'm sorry, Breitbart News. And what was what that was that came into my life is somebody who is as closer than a brother to me, his name is Mark. He he was at Bards Fest. He's, um, he lives in Thomaston, Georgia. He's an amazing friend, special forces sniper. We met in Afghanistan. We came later to work together at Fort Meade. And he is just an amazing Christian soul, walks with Jesus all the time, and has... Like everybody else has struggles and challenges in his life. So, when I got to that point, crazy story of going through jail for 20 days and then being kind of just thrown out suddenly, like you're dismissed from the jail and literally in the middle of the night, like out you go, you're done. And then with the notice of you got to show back up in court two days later, I was like, wow. And, you know, I was, I'm very fortunate because I have great family, great parents. So here I, and I've always thought about this moment because so many people don't have a close family or don't have their family in their lives. So here it was like, I don't know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And suddenly you get escorted. They call your name and they pull you out of the jail cell and they escort you down the hall like you're some criminal. Throw your clothes at you that they have in storage. You, get, you strip off of their garbage, put on your stuff. You go out a door, and I'm literally not kidding. You go out a door into a lobby and you're out. And it's like, that's it. And you're in the middle of the city. So fortunately, I had brought my charger with my cell phone, and I charged it up because it hadn't been charged for 20 days. And it took me a few minutes to get that going. Called my dad, and they were just so happy to hear from me. Because once they had moved me from Billings to Denver, there was no comms for about three or four days. And so... um, You know, my first thing my dad said was, where are you? You know, where are you? And I told him, he said, find him hotel and we'll put you up for the night and get you going. Well, you know, and the reason I say this in the sense of family is that I didn't have my credit cards with me. I didn't have, I just had my cell phone and my ID. And Had I not had any of that, I would have been on the street. And I think about so many people that are in that exact situation. And when you start to reflect on it, how quickly they get recycled back into the the criminal system because they are literally left with nothing. This system is horrific. And and I'm telling you this. um, I'm telling you this because we still have, I think, a lot of naivety in our culture about our legal system. There shouldn't be any real naivety with what we've seen happen in the last couple of years, but until you've been in it, you don't realize how rancid it is. You know, one of the guys that was in Billings Jail had been put in because his parole officer accused him of violating parole. The reason the guy missed his last parole meeting with his parole officer is because he had to go to the doctor to have his foot looked at because he was a diabetic and there was he needed to have it he was having an infection so his parole officer violated him they threw him back in jail 6 months they held him without charge and when he finally got in to see the judge the and the judge finally heard his case the judge was so appalled at what had happened Ordered him released immediately and forced and made the parole officer come before the court and explain himself and potentially face criminal charges. That man lost his foot because they would not give him medical care because he was in a temporary status where he's being held without charge and he lost his foot. These stories I could go on and on about. And this was my point of this is this was 20 days. 20 days in a system of, of experiencing something that I truly know that God wanted me to see, to see how bad that was. But when I got to that night and I got thrown out on the street, I realized just where I was at. and I mean, I realized how precious family was. And that next process so was just living in a hotel, getting my stuff together, going to court, doing whatever to be discharged to say, come back in a couple months, whatever. And that's when my, when Mark called me and he says, I want you to get down here to Georgia. He said, I want you to, you're, you're coming home. This is how God had done this with me. And, he, and this is why I say all this. I did not have a close relationship with him at that point. And my life was just kind of running on the direction I thought it needed to run. But coming out of jail, I was suddenly coming to a deeper relationship with him very quickly. But the year before, I had encountered, I had gone to see Mark and I had encountered Pastor Travis Graham and the church. And I remember saying to Mark, you know, man, this, if there was a place I really wanted to get back to my faith, it would be here at this church. Little did I realize a year later, almost to the day, that I would be... Uh, sent back down to Thomaston um, as a refugee from the system, having been broken pretty mightily by Father God and reminded of a greater path and purpose that He had for me. And so there begins that place of give thanks and do all things for God because He has a place for us even though we may not know what it is. Um, That walk, when you do that, and you, um, you get to a place where uh, you are completely reliant on the grace of others, you have little of nothing, and you learn to live off of little of nothing out of the grace of others, where other people are providing you for what you need in your sustenance, and you have to hang on to that and you do everything in your life to be thankful and to walk that path with God. And it's not always a short time. I was down on that farm for two years and had to go through my normal trials of finding a new path that he had wanted for me in spite of, I had successful, two successful businesses that had just over the previous year had been destroyed by so many things that had gone on with the inside the government and then when, with the issue in Denver how my reputation got obliterated. You appreciate the magnitude of a system, a deep state system when it hates you and they suddenly launched 20 or 30 articles nationwide at the same, within an hour of each other. By the way, that's not journalism, that's called doing a hit piece. And you see the magnitude of what the system can do to mar and destroy your reputation. The beauty of it is when we're leaning into God, in spite of all of that, He truly knows the plans He has for you. But you have to listen. And part of that is we have to continue to be diligent in moving forward, not just waiting. And there's a temptation for us sometimes to sit back and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? We have to get in motion. It's kind of like running. You know, you have to start running, and sometimes, to start running, sometimes we can only run 50 meters if you haven't run before, and then you end up walking, and then you run a little bit and walk a little bit, and you don't always go on the path that's the best for you. And that's kind of the way I see the walk with God, because we start, and along the way, we're gonna trip, we're gonna fall, and not a lot necessarily will seem like it's changing. But there's a lot changing because he's working within us and we're learning to hear him better and we're learning to walk with him better. Because truly, he has plans for welfare and not for calamity. That's a big word there. Because what tends to happen when we get knocked down is we tend to lose perspective on the fact that it's not God punishing us. He's wanting us to succeed, but we've walked a path that gets us there. And it doesn't just unwind right away. We we often like to look as though we're being punished. I don't buy any of that. We've just walked off the path. And in the process, we've stumbled in the weeds. And like a good father, he doesn't want us to be in the weeds. But we, at the same time, like a good father, we have to have the ability for us to start using our senses, using our, our will, using our gifts and talents, using our innovation to get lifting ourselves up. And as we do, slowly we start to get back on the path and we start to find the beauty of it. And he doesn't want us to stay in that pain. He doesn't want us to stay down. But we can't just wait We have to do things. And so part of whatever we do at those points has to be the grace of recognizing him for all great things. Because even if it's the simplest of tasks, I I had left construction years ago. But where I was thrust into was an old farmhouse that when I stepped into it, if you've ever seen, I think they call them June bugs. They, they are cockroaches. Let's be clear, down in Georgia, they're the size of my hand, and they're no joke. I mean, they don't—they're just gross. I hate them, and they'll—they have no problem like running on you and running over your feet or whatever. When I stepped into this into this farmhouse, it was—they were all over, and there were rats in the ceiling. Um, it was pretty crazy, and it was full of stuff. Of just storage, and I cleaned out a room, and I kind of sealed off that room. The electrical was nightmarish, and I had to use it. But the house was made, was built years ago, of a of a yellow pine tree. Now we say no longer have many of in Southern Georgia, and it's pine heart, and that's the same trees that they would pull turpentine out of. So why I bring that up is. The wrong spark in that place literally explodes. It's, it's that type of a experience. So I had to revive a lot of my skills that I hadn't used for years. And that meant there was one part of the house where the floor had completely eroded away and fallen, the foundation was fallen. So I rebuilt the foundations on a good portion of the house and rewired the house had to learn a new type of wiring, had an electrician help me, and eventually got the place where it was much more livable. And in fact, today, it's a really nice little house. But those were things that I'd walked away from. I said, I wasn't ever going to go back to construction other than me doing it for myself. And... I had to overcome those things. I I loved doing remodeling and loved doing the work I did in construction, in, in the which I grew up with, and then later ran my business for about six years, 1999 to 2005, before I went to Afghanistan. But people, um, I just hated customers in general. I was dealing with a lot of rich people up in Portland, and they're just a general pain in the butt. There's no other way to say it. I had a few that weren't, but most of them ended up being a complete pain in the butt. And I have had more money taken from me by elite, by wealthy people than you can imagine. One guy literally sat in front of me one day and laughed and said, I'm not going to pay you another dime. And he cut $80,000 off his bill. Let me tell you, you don't recover from that quickly. And that's why ultimately I was anxious. I, when I, opportunity with Afghanistan came, I was—I had, had had it with people because they were. It was all always about wanting more for less. That's just people's general needs. But all these experiences come together at a point in your life when you're—it's all stripped away from you, and you then have to pull on the balances. So I started doing my construction again, and of course, I'm eager, eager to start doing like, okay, well, I've got to find a career. I have to do something. And this again is God knows the plans he has for us and we have to listen. So as I'm eager to like, okay, I'm getting my construction skills back. And I I am good at construction when I really put my head into it. I was trained well by my father and I took my skills to a whole new level when I was on my own. They're not lost. I would... I did timber framing at one point. I loved doing timber framing, still have all my tools. But when I say all this, I started to look into you know getting my license and how I was going to do this or that. And everywhere I found, because I had a pending charge against me, I couldn't get licensed. I couldn't do this. There was nothing that might passed before me that I could do. All these doors were closed. And these are doors ultimately that God can close or God can open. And God didn't open those doors other than the fact that my skills were so relevant in helping resurrect this farmhouse, which by the way was the farmhouse where Mark's dad and grandmother lived. So it was very special. So there was a very important role that I had there. So, I had been told, I woke to, in, a, in the fourth day in, in my little siesta vacation I had in the in the jail, on the fourth day, I woke to the voice that said, I need you to return to storytelling and and film. And I agreed. And that was my agreement with Father God. And it's interesting how it took me I don't know, about even after that point, it still took me six months to filter through what I was trying to do because I didn't see profit in that. And I was looking for a way to get back on my feet and start making money. And, and I knew that with construction, if I could get going again, I could make a pretty good living pretty quickly. And I knew that with my reputation issues, thanks to a lovely media, that I was not going to be able to go back to consulting or even my defense work, even though I carried a top secret clearance. So all of that was a mar on me. And so I was looking at construction as that next first step. And it was my intentions because I was looking at money and God wasn't looking that way. So when I finally settled in to where he needed me, And I committed to that. I would keep the construction going, but I went back to my film. And the film that, you can't get it right now. It will be back up on the website soon, and I apologize for people that want it. And it's a good film. It was a film where, that's in the film are the pieces that were awarded an Emmy. It's it's a good film on Afghanistan, and there's another one coming. But that film, that process, took me through an amazing journey one that he needed me to go through that I didn't recognize. There is a process in doing that film that I had to walk back to where that gift was given and I had to walk through every step of things that were just hooking me into the past. I had to give forgiveness to the guy that had worked with me on the film that literally went crazy but became just a just a pain in the butt. And he I I have so much respect for what he did for me in photography. He gave me a gift in opening my eyes to how to be truly a great photographer and filmmaker. But he became so affected by the film that he himself just became ugly in a relationship that we no longer speak, which is unfortunate. So I had to go through that process and all of the, Torturous emotions and things that were around that. I had to relive the time behind the camera in war. There was one scene in the film where there's a shooting and you see the guy die on film. And that one scene, and it's a, I don't know, that one segment in the film was probably three minutes. It must have taken me three months to be able to edit and figure that out. And it was just a torturous event every day I'd enter into it. So all of these things that he was doing, he was healing me. And as I'm looking at the film of like, how it's gonna, how's it going to make money? There was something much bigger there, which was I needed to move through this story to complete it, to get it out, and to move through where he needed me to be. Now, why am I sharing all this? Is it's just not just for random things. Every one of us has been affected over the last few years in many ways, and some are in better places than others. We have been left in places where COVID has affected our lives, and I should say COVID-con. I'm very blessed because all of this process happened before the torment of COVID-con. And so by the time God had me in place when covid came, I wasn't starting. I was in my stride of where he needed me to be. I'm grateful for that every day. And just by the way, the film was completed. I did edit edited the film in 2008, which it was a film that was supposed to be. I'm sorry. It's not even where I got that. I edited the film. well <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Brain, brain, mind time warp. I edited the film in 2018. The film was supposed to be out in 2008 originally. And so we come back around and then it wasn't until 2019 that I began the podcast. And just to finish that little cycle, when I started the podcast, I cannot tell you how many people told me you cannot do a podcast and be successful unless you do video. And so I tried. The first few episodes were originally in video, the first one through 10, I believe. And I absolutely hated it. And so finally, and the Lord had never told me video. In fact, he was nudging me to use my voice. And I wasn't listening. And again, I finally get to the 10th episode I'm like, I can't do this. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to do audio. And everything changed. God talks to us, but he talks to us in very quiet ways sometimes. And as a good father, he understands that sometimes we're going to have to go through trials to be able to hear him better. I argue that he's there most of the time, if not all the time, if we know how to listen, but we have been so conditioned by our world, we have layers of things we have to peel away before we really get to the deeper listening of what he needs us to be or where he needs us to be. So in this sense of where we are, and this is where my heart is just so big, I, I, I've I, been through an experience that allows me to relate a great deal to being in a place where you have little of nothing. I've seen, <sighs> I have seen firsthand the miracles in which God can bring in our lives when we start to give him credit for everything, even if it's not the exact place he wants us to be. And I know how hard it is at times when we get down to receive. And I know how hard it is to get back up. But there's a couple of things that I'm sharing because every one of us is in a fragile state, whether we realize it or not. I didn't think I ever was. And I realized how quickly I was. And go back to, I've told this a few nights ago, but I'll just repeat it for the sake of tonight's story. My business was doing great in the Department of Defense. I had an amazing small company growing rapidly, doing great work in this area of analytics and narrative analysis, an area that I was pioneering. I had built a a, a processing algorithm of how we were using this to assess future risks and improve the development and rapid development of technologies and all sorts of stuff. And as a young company, a small company, very promising what we were doing. We landed a $2 million contract and our contracts have been pretty small. I had, I say we, I had three employees, two employees, I apologize, two employees, myself. And then I had some people I contracted. I had a pool of contracted people, about five in the pool. Small company, but growing well, good profits, Everything was going well. I landed a $2 million contract with one of the labs in the Department of Defense System. I used, that was the pivot now to expand. So I got new office spaces, relocated to Philadelphia. It was a central place between the lab and DC and New York City, three areas I was working out of. It was a good place to be. Set myself up in Philadelphia, got ready to hire some people, and the $2 million contract that we had been awarded, what we were going to be doing was streamlining a lot of the systems that the engineers were using at the labs to develop new technologies. Well, it wasn't liked by a number of the people in the senior executive service. You'll hear this often, SES class. The same people that took on Trump didn't like the idea that their jobs were going to be changed. and their processes were going to be faster because you couldn't milk these contracts for five years. We were trying to get them down to where these contracts would be no more than two years or less. And this $2 million vanished because somebody took it and reallocated it and, and just basically hid it in the network of money. Let me tell you, you do not recover from a $2 million loss like that quickly. And that, but here again, before I even knew God, he had protected me because that kicked us out of the lab. And as financially as hard as it was, I pulled away from the lab. Six months later, the FBI moved in and did a massive investigation and found people and charged them criminally. I would have been wrapped up in court for just because of being there forever, not because I was guilty, but because I would have been investigated anyway. And I was saved from that. So all these things just fell apart in a period of time. And so the span of time, 2015 to 2017, when everything just was like watching it all fall apart around you and you can't control it. Everything you do, you touch, just seems to fall apart. It was really God's way of bringing me to a critical point where he could then get my attention, and boy, did he. And then the rebuilding itself took a couple of years. So in all, it's about a five-year cycle to where he brings me back. And by 2019, I have the podcast going. And then we have the elections a year later, year and a half later, of for 2020. Now, interestingly, again, you know, I, I start to learn slowly. I didn't know anything about the podcast business. I just knew that I had a voice that I could use and just tell stories. And that process is, again, as you start to lean into it, and I learned very early on that the only way I was going to get through this was to lean into Father God. So I went from this place of one podcast a week to about two podcasts a week, and then as most of you know, by the time we hit the election 2020, which was about 18 months after I started the podcast, as God put it on my heart, we went. I went from two a week to first three and then eventually six shows a day, which I still, the only way I can tell you that was accomplished is because of the Holy Spirit. So what's my point in all of this? It's the process. And I don't know if this resonates well with people tonight or not, but it's just something on my heart to really tell. But that process was never achieved by me alone. I had so many people become part of that because they were called or because it was the kindness in their heart that made that possible. From Mark offering the place for me to come down to, which was just an amazing two years to get myself together and heal and put my life back together. To the moment that I was leaving Thomaston when my dad called me and said, why don't you come home? And I did, to A financial angel is the only way I can call it that at one point I've told this story before and I know her personally. She's an amazing person and an amazing family she has and her and her husband are both amazing who just reached out to me randomly on Twitter with somebody that I didn't even know how I was following and said, I need to talk to you and literally sent me money to buy all new mics and get myself completely set up. All these things was all God led. And she did that because God told her, I need new mics, and she didn't even know me. So it's all of this I talk about because this is how God works through the body of Christ. And why I'm so big on we as a Barge Nation have to work together to lift each other up. And as we find these abilities to do so and work to help each other, not only do we become stronger in this network, and more resilient to what's coming, but then we are able in a, in a way to help others. Everything is about, for me, looking forward. So I'm, as I go through the damage that's been done by these psychopaths in the last couple of years, three years, there is a level of destruction that they have waged on society and people that's beyond measure. And the only way that can ultimately be healed is Father God and our relationship in Christ. But we're part of that. And we're a big part of that healing. And a big challenge to that is trust. Because we have to learn again to trust. And it's hard because there are reality is that in this world of this wild world we're in, there's many deceivers and there's many people that are out for themselves and out for the wrong motives. So part of trust is we also have to be honest up front with one another. And that's another change for us because we're always so careful. We've been conditioned to be delicate about what we say. We never have to be harsh or mean and never should be. But part of this as we build trust is to lay out expectations with each other and to be there so that we can raise up this body as a stronger element in the body of Christ. And we become better and more resilient ourselves. I was fortunate in with my brother Mark because we knew each other from Afghanistan and we knew each other at Fort Meade and we had built through that level of trust. And that vetting was done. But there's other places where trust had to be built. And I can't tell you that, you know, in that sake, when you're in that state where you're constantly trying to balance giving to the Lord and trying to get some money underneath you, those are difficult places to be. And you don't always make the right choice. But at some point or another, as we begin to get our our feet underneath us, We have to make sure that all of the legs that were part of that stool are strong. And that means that if we've made errors, we have to go back and correct them. And if we have opportunity going forward, we have to make sure that we help others doing the same. It is, I drive around my town. I, I drove, as I was driving around today, and I watch, I, we have an amazing number of, of on-the-street homeless right now. And it's heartbreaking. Um, I have been so close to those places, and, and I didn't get there because there were great people that didn't allow it to happen. I don't know how we get through where we need to go. I know as a nation, we have a big heart to reclaim and a big heart to relearn. But I know that here in this community, we have continued to show big heart and we have to continue to show big heart and to bring that into the world. The love and the forgiveness that we talk about here, the forgiving heart and the loving thy neighbor, which doesn't sound warrior Christ-like, but it is very warrior Christ-like because you're facing even that which doesn't trust you and doesn't believe in you or dislikes you because they sense that you believe in Jesus, it's becoming that of overcoming them to show them something greater than they've ever seen. And we have people out here that love Christ, that are in need, but have tried to, have had to, tried to, as a result of circumstance, ended up, I'm using all three of those together, walking a path that is relatively alone. And so the opportunities when we can step forward and extend a hand of love and grace to help somebody up. I don't think there's, I don't think that there is a greater thing that we do in life than helping our brother stand back up and be part of the body of Christ as a full strengthened member in that body. Having been given that gift, you never forget it, ever. So, I'm just encouraging everyone to just, I guess two things. When we need to, learn to receive, and when we can, give, and give as a cheerful giver. And in so doing, let us always remember that ultimately our greatest path together is loving one another. Ephesians 4, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humanity and gentleness with patience showing tolerance for one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity in the spirit of the in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as also you were called in one hope of your calling One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you in this moment for this community that we have seen evolve and come together and who we've drawn together, and only by your hand. And there is so much out here of both a willingness to give and those in need. God, you're an amazing God, and you perform amazing miracles. We pray for this body in its healing. We pray for the needs to be elevated and heard, and we pray for the hearts to reach out and to assist and help. We focus often on that which we see, and with that, much goes unseen. So Father, we just ask for that blessing to see. And as that opportunity opens for us to be able to give and give with a cheerful heart, and may we do all of our work, all of our life, in the humbleness before you, giving our great thanks, no matter how small or how great, for all that you have blessed us with and all that you continue to guide us through. Thank you, Father. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name, amen. Patriots, there's a great deal in each of our lives to be thankful for, even in the darkest of moments. And that isn't always easy to find in those dark moments. But the one thing, God is always there. And he is truly there for us. As a great father should be and is. I was blessed with an amazing father, and I was blessed with an amazing mother. And even though we went through a real trial of a decade, we overcame that, we healed, we came back together, and we are the closest of friends. And so even though that period occurred in my past, in my early 20s, almost 10 years of not talking, I sat tonight with my parents as we talked about the current events of things. And my mother said, as my father said the same, we are so grateful you are here in this time so that we are together. So that You have been a major guide in all that we understand and do, and we're just grateful we're together. Those words uh, with a past like we had that is now long healed resonate deeply and are a reminder that we can overcome any differences between us. But at the center of all things is our dedication to God and our commitment to truth our honesty in our heart, and our humbleness before each other. That's, to me, the center point of most of how we walk in this world. And as we walk that way, aware and attentive of others' needs and the greatness of what God gives us in our most meek and humble ways, it then becomes a process where we begin to hear Him better. And he guides us to the plans that he has for us. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us, and he truly is with us, and he will never forsake us. And he always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
1: Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe To the deepest dead. Of-